Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast now with the promo code. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who did not play in the NFL. Uh, I did not, even though I tried. Ryan Newman. And by the other brother who does not announce games. That is true. I do not. Trey Newman. Thank goodness for that. Um, Our guest for the episode, of course, though, has done both of these things. But before we get to the interview, Ryan, we have another five-star review to read. Yeah, I really like this one. It's great. Uh, All right. It's from uh, Ohio. Uh, Go Bucks. Uh, Love the podcast. Uh, The bros are hilarious and super... uh, knowledgeable of all college football even being in nebraska and a usc fan they are unbiased uh fun a fun game idea for you each of the bros must pick a lower power five team or any group of five team that must become their favorite team this season they will become your locks they'll become or you'll become an advocate for them basically becoming their biggest fan at the end you can determine who is the winner based on team wins or lock wins or however else you want to determine it P.S. Ryan doesn't get any respect on the show. LOL. Wow. The life of a middle, middle brother. I'm telling you. <laughs> middle child. I don't even know what he means about that. You don't get respect? Yeah, I'm pretty great. Mean? I'm pretty great. And you just don't acknowledge it. I don't acknowledge. Well, I guess that's fair, but I don't <laughs> Ryan, really think you're Are you writing your own reviews again? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do, I do like that review. Um because Ryan, for you, I guess it would be like last year with your Baylor pick. You know, you, you they were kind of your. Oh, not yeah, that lower, they're a lower yeah, tier. Low, yeah, lower power five team. He, he did say, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. just some team that you're kind of staking your claim to. I like that. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm. Let's do it. I haven't. Well, we got to do some research before we make those picks. But <laughs> yeah, of course. You know. Uh, but yeah, sounds good. Uh, so again, yeah, thank you for that review. And with that, we will get right into our interview. All right, we are now very happy to welcome onto the show the host of several really good podcasts, including the Ross Tucker Football Podcast and the College Draft. He's also a writer for The Athletic. It is former NFL offensive lineman Ross Tucker. Ross, how are you? Michael, I am terrific. And I got to tell you this, dude. I I don't know why. You have like a soothing voice. <laughs> like I, and Because I've listened to the show several times, and like there's something about your voice and I mean this in a positive way, that it's like calming and or I feel like I could take a nap to it. And I don't want you to take that a negative <laughs> way, like boring or n- not at all. There's just like a really, uh, you, you have like a smooth, soothing voice. So yes, thank you for having me and good to, uh, good to talk with you guys and see you the way we're recording this, which is pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. This is already my favorite interview so far and i think <laughs> by the end of it ryan or trey you better watch your back because we're going to have a different third brother here so that's right <laughs> um no but we uh we wanted to start by asking you um about your college career i definitely think our listeners would would want to hear about that because you took a different path than certainly most players who end up playing in the nfl and having a, a successful career so you played at princeton uh what was your recruiting process like in high school and how did you end up going ivy league yeah, so uh, this is probably great for your listeners because I know you guys obviously focus on 
uh, the Power Five schools. Although you guys, I, I will say this: you guys know a lot more about the Group of Five than a lot of other podcasts that are out there. I I enjoy uh, the Group of Five stuff as well because I did a bunch of uh, AAC games last year, a couple of Tulane games, a couple of UCF games for CBS Sports Network. In addition to all the Army football home games I did a year ago, which was great. Army at Air Force, Army at Hawaii, uh, which was really fun. But yeah, people don't know that much about the FCS. Uh, it's interesting. I grew up, my literally my first memory of my life, and you guys might have something similar to, to piggyback on, but first memory of my life was October of 84. I was five years old. My parents took me to a Penn State Rutgers game at Penn State. I remember walking into the stadium. I remember just walking up to the stadium. Had never been in any building even close to that. Then what was really cool was like, you, you, I'm, I'm like in awe. I'm five years old, so I'm in awe of this building. Then you walk in and it, it just seemed like, the greenest grass there had ever been in the history of the world, <laughs> right? And then I see the Penn State blue uniforms with the white. And I mean, I want to tell you guys, I was hooked, like <laughs> hooked, hooked. It was love at first sight. It's the first thing I legitimately remember in my life. And uh, my dad is 5'9 and 170 pounds. So right. needless, needless to say, I never thought that I would be just about 6'5 and on my wedding yeah. day, 335 pounds. <laughs> oh, so geez. never thought NFL offensive lineman, never really. I mean, at that point, I was like, like every kid in Pennsylvania, just like you guys growing up in Nebraska, wanting to play for the Cornhuskers. I wanted to play for Penn State. Like right then, boom, I wanted to play for Penn State. So I was always good. Uh, I was always very good growing up, but I was a late bloomer. So ninth grade, I was 5'9", 150. Tenth grade, I didn't start the first couple games of the year until a guy got hurt in 10th grade. You wouldn't think of that as an NFL player at a small high school. I wrote in the program 6'1", 180 which meant I was probably a smidge above six foot 171 or something, right? <laughs> yeah. And then junior year, I started to sprout up even more. I was just about 6'4", but still pretty skinny, like 212. I put 6'4", 215 in the program. And so if, you, if you've noticed, I'm gaining like three inches and 30, <laughs> 40 pounds a year at this point, it feels like. Jeez. From ninth to 10th to 11th grade. Um, and that's when I first started to get recruited a little bit. I remember, uh, the first letters I got were from Army and Navy. And then after that, I got only FCS letters ever. And <laughs> probably rightfully so. I wasn't really athletic enough to be able to play defensive line at, at the FBS level. At the time, it was Division One or one AA. And I, I wasn't big enough at 215 pounds for Penn State or Nebraska or a school like that to really like me. It's interesting, though, a lot of people don't know this part of the process, but high school coaches around the country fill out these forms where they basically 
write down what level they think their players can play at. And initially, a lot of your correspondence is based on your high school coach's evaluation. So probably correctly, by the way, my high school coach said I was 1AA. So I got a lot of 1AA letters, um, as well as Army and Navy, but I never got a single Division I letter from a school until I reached out to them. Meanwhile, there were some guys at like rival high schools that had all these letters that I saw that they showed me from like Pitt and Michigan State. And I was like, well, wait a minute. I'm better than that kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just thought, but his coach said he was division one. My coach said I was one double A. So, um, that's when I first took, uh, playing in college really seriously, but I knew I wasn't like a Penn State or Notre Dame guy. You know, I, I was reared Catholic. So I was kind of a Notre Dame fan as my, like my second team. So I back then, you know, this, I actually started a business. Because of this process. But back then, I sent out 35 VHS tapes. How old are you guys? We're mid 30s. Yeah, early mid 30s. Okay, so you guys probably would have been sending out DVDs, but I, I yeah. still sent out a VHS tapes back in, this would have been 1996. I sent out 35 VHS tapes. I literally sat in my basement, made my own highlight video. I, I got, I borrowed my uncle's VCR. And it wasn't like one of these fancy things with high. I literally just like picked out my good plays, and I thought but I was. Your, um, your plays were uh, strictly uh, defense, right? Did you play both ways, or how did? In no, high I played or? both ways. I played oh, both played ways. Both. Yeah, yeah okay. I played both ways. As a junior, I played both. I had a good junior year, like I said. Um, I was just pre- still pretty skinny, uh, but I got a bunch of letters, and it's funny. I remember growing up. I always thought I wanted to play um, at Penn State, obviously. And then once I started getting some letters, I, I got a letter from – it was either Princeton or Harvard was my first Ivy League letter. And I remember my dad saying something like – like my parents both went to state schools in Pennsylvania. Nothing wrong with that, but they just – you know, just a different thought process. And my dad saying like, you're not smart enough to go there. <laughs> and, and, Thanks, Pop. And 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 we, we found out that um, – you know, if they want you to play football there, they can help with the admissions process. So, like, sure. I'll, I'll tell one story, right? So, um, I ended up getting accepted to Harvard and Princeton with football. I had 1360 SATs and was 28th in my class. Now, I went to a very good high school, but the kid who was valedictorian of my high school had 1550 SATs. Back in 96, when that was like crazy, uh, he did not get into Harvard or Princeton. So like his whole life was to go to Harvard or Princeton and like studying and blah, blah, blah. My whole life was lifting weights and eating, trying to play football for Penn State. So like I finally as a senior, he was like a little bit relaxed and he could like take a joke. And I was like, Richard, while you were fooling around (laughs) studying – I was lifting weights trying to make sure I got into Princeton or Harvard. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, Poor guy. Um, which is kind of funny. So anyway, um, sent out those videos. Only ever heard from half the schools. I did send it to Penn State, Notre Dame, and I, I want to say like maybe Wake Forest and Duke. Um, 
interesting because I thought the academic part of it. Never heard from Wake Forest or Duke, interestingly. Um, Notre Dame, I got like a form letter back. Penn State, I actually got two handwritten letters from a guy named Jerry Sandusky. Oh, boy. You probably gonna, uh, heard about him. Yeah, oh, boy. Saying, uh, the first one said, we want you to come to camp this summer. We liked your video. Um, so that was cool. But I knew they just wanted to test me in the 40. And I knew I wouldn't run a very good 40. So I probably should have gone. Uh, but I didn't go. And it's interesting because, like, now, like, James Franklin at Penn State does an unbelievable job with their walk-ons. Like, they get a lot of kids that have scholarships or Ivy League or whatever to walk on instead. Like, their middle linebacker this past year, their captain, he's from my hometown. His name's Jan Johnson. Yeah. He had full rides to Fordham and Akron. He walked on at Penn State instead. They're getting, like... Eight of those guys a year. Now, you guys know Nebraska has always had an unbelievable walk-on program. But Penn State really didn't. And the reality is, like, if Joe Paterno called me and was like, Ross, yeah. this is God calling. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we'd like you, you – you have a spot on the Penn State football team. That would have been very, very, very difficult for me to turn down. Like, very hard. Yeah. So anyway, um, the crazy part about I sent out these VHS tapes. I only ever heard from half the schools. Like Princeton, Harvard, and Yale wanted me, but I never heard from Brown. Trust me, if Princeton, Harvard, and Yale want you, Brown wants you. So <laughs> yeah, they they must have lost my VHS tapes. So I literally started a business called Go Big Recruiting, where you send your video online and you know when a, co- a coach at the college clicks on it. Just because of that, just because I thought. I don't care if they think I stink. I just want to make sure they got it. You know what I mean? And they know about it. So um, I ended up having four options, really. Princeton, Harvard, and I got scholarships to Delaware and William & Mary. Um, I chose Princeton. I, I, I distinctly remember thinking, first of all, Princeton and Harvard said I could play defense. Uh, William & Mary and Delaware said, no, you're not fast enough. you got to play offensive line. So, of course, I go to Princeton Started a couple games as a freshman at the end. Went home for Christmas break. We got a keg of yingling every night over Christmas break. <laughs> and I, we went to the diner at 2 a.m. And I would get an omelet, pancakes, and a milkshake. When I went back to Princeton after Christmas break, I was 282. And they were like, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we, we want to move you to offensive line. They're like, look, you're going to start either way. But if you go to offensive line, like you could really be special there. Thank goodness they did that because I would not have made the NFL as a as a defensive lineman. Right. So anyway, out of those four options, I just remember thinking, there's no way I'll make the NFL. If I can go to Princeton or Harvard because of football, I got to do it. Like they show you how much money you make your first year out. My dad's like, you're going to one of them. Because <laughs> yeah. you know, he knew how hard it was for him to kind of get going in life. So um ended up going to Princeton. It's funny, when you're at Princeton – you watch like the Thursday night Virginia Tech Miami game and you think, how would we do against these teams if we were able to have like 13 dudes on the field the whole time? Like yeah. you literally think stuff like that <laughs> while you're watching. Um, so then, um, you know, my, I had a really good junior year again. Seems to be a theme. I had a, an agent reach out to me, said he thought I could get, um, a shot in the NFL. After my senior year, I ended up getting signed by the Reds. I accepted a job with Lehman Brothers on Wall Street. 
Thank goodness I never had to actually do that. Wow. I get a, uh, I get signed by the Redskins as an undrafted free agent. And you know, you guys will appreciate this part of it. I really just wanted to go against a dude from Notre Dame or Alabama and just see how good they were. Like, I didn't know at that first minicamp if those guys would like pick me up and throw me. <laughs> you really don't know. You don't have a frame of reference. You just know that like they're on TV every week. There's a hundred thousand people at their games. They're famous. You know, these girls won't even hook up with me because it's not even that cool to be a Princeton football player, right? <laughs> like, there's not that many people here in the stands. Like, it's just a totally different thing. Um, so, but interestingly enough, I got there and I remember the other, the other undrafted offensive lineman it was like Trey Langley from LSU and, and David Brandt from Michigan and Tam Hopkins from Ohio State and Jason Schwab from Nebraska. I don't know if you guys remember that name. It was like 6'1", like 315, just like a bowling ball of muscle, like all the Nebraska dudes. Yeah, sounds yeah. familiar. Um, corn and roids, um, out there. So, <laughs> it's a good so, diet. Um, but it's funny. I, I realized that first minicamp really quickly. I was like, I'm as good as these guys. And then I had to block like the guy I was going against most of the time. His name was Terry Bryant. And he was second team all ACC from Clemson, right? Like a 6'4", 280-pound defensive end. And they moved me to tackle, actually. And I'm just blocking him every play. And I remember distinctly thinking, like, when are they going to turn the good on? Like, when's he going to turn yeah. the good on? Like, when's he going to turn the Clemson on? And he just never did. Like, the, it just never happened. So I guess I had built them up so much in my head that – I actually thought they'd be better um, when I got there. So that was an 18-minute answer to your <laughs> first question, which means nobody listening will ever listen to my podcast because now they think I'm the most long-winded blowhard <laughs> in the history of the podcast industry. Usually no, that's no, Michael that was, for us. Yeah, exactly. I'm always the one that gets called long-winded. So I was happy to have somebody else take that role, but that was great. That was exactly what we wanted to hear. Yeah. Uh, but let's move on to your uh, to your your post NFL career, Trey. I know you. We were talking about before the show. Um, you're kind of interested in the the announcing process. Well, yeah. Can you uh, can you kind of sort of walk us through the week leading up to to calling a game and what sorts of prep you do in general? Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I'll take a step back. And say to start, I always wanted to be a broadcaster growing up. So because my dad's five nine a buck seventy, like my goal was to work for ESPN or write at Sports Illustrated. Like I never thought I'd be an NFL offensive lineman, right? Like so, um, but then you get to Princeton and nobody talks about like being a broadcaster. It's all finance, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then in the NFL, I did an internship every offseason because I knew football was a temp job. So I did like when I played for the Cowboys, I, I interned for Roger Stallback's commercial real estate company, which was kind of sweet. Wow. Like I just tried a bunch of different things and I, I, I kind of got turned off by broadcasting because ev literally every guy says that that's, that's what they're going to do. Mm, I'm going to yeah. be an announcer. I'm going to be a broadcast. You know what I mean? Like that's what I'm in. And, and plus I could see that like the best jobs went to the guys that were like Hall of Famers or Pro Bowl guys. And I just knew that. 
that that wasn't me, right? So I, I, I knew that that was not going to be me. Um, so I did all these internships, but then the NFL had this broadcasting boot camp. I went to it. I thought I'd probably work in finance and then just maybe do the Princeton games on Saturday on the radio just because I love football so much. Um, and I, and I met Peter King and I told him how everybody gets their information about football from the internet, but nobody writing actually played. Meanwhile, I had to write, like, I wrote a 140 page senior thesis at Princeton on Title IX and gender equity. Like, I can write 1200 words on like the Eagles O line. You know what I mean? Like yeah. what the locker room is really like. So when I got hurt and my career ended, I wrote about it in Peter King's Monday morning quarterback. And no lie, I had job offers by the end of the week from Sirius XM, Comcast and Sports Illustrated. So like wow. I had Trey, like the luckiest, um, easiest transition to media anybody's ever had. I was on IR getting paid by the Redskins and I already had three media gigs. That's fantastic. Um, to answer your question, um, I'll start with this. College is a lot harder than the NFL. A lot harder. So I do NFL games on the radio for Westwood One. I do college games on television for CBS Sports Network now. I used to do for NBC Sports Network, primarily Ivy League. Now I do CBS Sports Network. Uh, I had a 13-game package last year. It was great. I love the company. Love working with them. So for the NFL games, right, first of all, it's radio. So you really just have to show up for the game. There's not like production meetings during the week. And secondly, it's the NFL. So I already know the two deep. Mm. For every NFL team off the top of my head right now, because of the Ross Tucker football podcast, because of everything I do is, is so NFL centric that I am like prepping NFL every day. Like that's yeah. just my, it's not even prepping Trey. It's like, that's just my lifestyle, yeah, right? It's like, like it's nature. just, yeah, it's just like, it's just like my, my life. So. NFL games are way easier. Meanwhile, college, let's say it's week four and I've got East Carolina and UCF. All I know for, I don't know, a single kid on East Carolina's team at that point. And all I know about UCF is that they've got Heupel's their coach. Dylan Gabriel, true freshman quarterback, because I had watched the Cincinnati game the week before. They had a linebacker who made every tackle, and they had a wide receiver that looked like Odell Beckham Jr. That was a total stud, right? Like, that's all I knew. So early in the week, they send you these big note packets, and you read all through the notes to learn the team. You also, though, have to memorize the two deep for both teams offense and defense because during the game you're you need to be watching either the field or the monitor you really to me i feel like if i look down and you have something for backup called a flip card that has the name and height and weight and number of the guy but i always personally feel like if i have to look down at that i have failed right and i have not prepared enough I want to prepare enough so that I'm just watching either the field or the monitor 
and I never have to look down. That's my goal. So you memorize the name and the number, and then college really screws you by having same kids have the same numbers yeah. sometimes, right? Yeah. Like I know, I remember like thinking like, I remember when Everett Golson and Manti Teo had the same number. That's not that big of a deal because it's a quarterback and middle linebacker. But some of these dudes, like on special teams, it could be either guy. Sure. I remember like, there was be- an instance where there was a kicker who had the number 99 and like they confused him with a defensive lineman. They just like, yeah, <laughs> for sure that kid's not a D lineman. <laughs> yeah. So that's a pain. Um, just, just the memorization's a pain. And then I read through all the notes and I jot down the stuff I'd like to try to get into the game if I can. And I never even get 20% of it into it. Right. Sure. Cause it's not just writing that down. It's, um, knowing it so well that when Dylan Gabriel throws it to Gabriel Davis, that I say, um, you know, Gabriel Davis is third in the country, 18.7 yards per catch or whatever. And he told us yesterday, Odell Beckham Jr. is his favorite player and he's got the hairstyle to, to, to make up for it, whatever. You typically have a, a production meetings with the away team. A lot of times they might be at the hotel, but a lot of times it's a conference call during the week. Home team, it's almost always the day before the game at the, uh, at their facility. So that's cool. Like to meet the coaches and to meet a couple players, really cool. I get to know these guys a little bit. And then during the broadcast to be able to personalize them, um, you know, and something maybe unique. And so you also jot down the stuff that they tell you that's interesting. And that's part of the stuff that you'd love to get into the game, but you only ever get in 20% or so. Then you get to the stadium three hours early. I go down on the field, talk to more coaches, more players. Part of that's just so I can say during the game. Yeah. Yeah. Talking to him on the field before the yeah. game. Cause stuff like that, people are like, okay, like this guy isn't like in his house or like he's not in some studio. Like he was actually there. He's, he, he's actually at the stadium. Some UCF, credibility. by the way, was a pretty sweet place. Like they, they had, they have it hopping there. That, and they got some freak show dudes. Like I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I enjoyed that, that experience in Orlando. Um, and then after the game's over, I so wish God, had given us like an eject button because I don't need to have all that stuff in my brain anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, that's why like later on in the season when I had UCF Tulane, I was like, nice. Because yeah. I had already done Tulane Army and I had already done UCF ECU. So I was much further ahead on UCF Tulane. Like I was thrilled. Like the other option would have been Memphis SMU, which would have been sweet, like a good, a good game, game, but a lot more work for me. So <laughs> right. I was actually pretty happy that it was, it was Tulane UCF. So you kind of alluded to some of the, the places that you've been, but like, what are, what are some of the stadiums or atmospheres like, you know, that either you played in or that you've uh, done broadcasting in that's something that just stands out, like as your favorite or just some, something unique. So I'm glad we're doing this after this past year because I called every Army home game for CBS Sports Network. And so you guys know I've been to every NFL stadium at least once. I played in most of them. I've been to a lot of the major college football stadiums. I've been to the Shoe and 
and South Bend and Penn State and Tallahassee and whatever, right? Everybody told me, dude, wait till you go to Mikey Stadium at West Point. Wait till you go to Mikey Stadium. And I'm like, yeah, Army football. Like, yeah, I'm sure <laughs> yeah, it's great, sure. right? Like, I'm sure it's <laughs> awesome. You guys, everybody listening to this podcast loves college football. Put it on the bucket list. You have to go. I don't know how to describe it. It's like, it's the most picturesque, picturesque setting I've ever seen for a football game, especially from the press box, because the, the river, the water's right behind it. It's all trees around it, but it's like up on this hill. And then as, as, so it's like the most beautiful thing. If you see my social media at Ross Tucker NFL, I post it, I post videos and pictures during the season. It's just like the most spectacular setting for a football game I've ever been to. Number one. Number two, though, every home game, they have all the parachute dudes come in. And then when they run out of the tunnel, they have like a Black Hawk helicopter that comes buzzing <laughs> over the tunnel. And leads them onto the field. Like, oh, I am not shitting you, okay? Yeah, that's badass. Like, like, a helicopter leads them onto the field like, here we come Afghanistan. Like, it is, <laughs> like, it is crazy. Like, like coming flying through. And then the players, like, run out. They've just done the, the parachute guys. I mean, the play's going berserk. It's mandatory that every cadet goes to every home game. So I don't know if they're allowed to drink or how much they drink or whatever, but you know, people talk about like Penn State student section, which is incredible. It's still not as incredible as 6,000 soldiers in uniform going ape shit because they never get a chance to like be unleashed like this. It's, and, and they're right behind the away team and just killing the away team the whole time. Like I'm just telling you guys, it is sweet. So. West Point stands out. Um, a Penn State whiteout is yeah. probably the most spectacular environment I've ever been to for a game. Like, I got, you know, Lambeau Field's great, all these places, but I don't know what it is about the lights on the white at Penn State and the way that, have you guys ever been to Penn State? No, no, I haven't been there, no. So, like, if you ask, like, NFL guys that play like in the Big Ten, right? Even though Michigan seats more people, Michigan is like dug into the ground and is very spread out. Penn State, it's like vertical. Like Penn State's 110,000 people, but it, it's almost like straight up. So everybody you ever say, they'll tell you it looks like it's the biggest stadium or it's the most people. And then when it's all white at night with those lights, it just, it's like the most, um, vibrant, bright white you've ever seen. It's almost like the lights off the white light up the stadium even more. And then by that point, the people are just so yeah. hammered that the environment, the students are just, it's just, and it's always the Ohio State or the Michigan game and the people just go berserk. That's a unique atmosphere. The last one I would say, that you got to go to, you got to go to an SEC championship game. Oh, oh, oh by the way, our Army Navy is number one. The Ar Army Navy is number one by far. It's not even yeah. close. 
Army Navy is the best rivalry in all of sports. But in terms of another environment, go to the SEC championship game. I did uh, Alabama, Georgia a couple years ago when Jalen Hurts came in for Tua. Right. And half the stadium is all Alabama, red. The other half stadium is all Georgia. And like the tension is like palpable, right? You can just feel it. And it means so much to them. And I know sometimes I make fun of like the, uh, it just means more thing a little bit, but I'm here to tell you, it it really does mean more. Like in terms of the fans, like they put an unhealthy amount of their self-worth into their performance of their football We're, we're team. aware of how that goes. We yeah. respect yeah, like that. They're not, they're not, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I'm not sure that they're the brightest bulbs. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure that they should really be putting that much into it that they do. Like people care about Penn State football or the other schools and they're upset when they, but like these people, like, I, I I was legitimately worried for the Georgia fans after that game. Like looking at their expression, I, I I was I was legitimately worried about what the suicide rates might be like in the state of Georgia that night. I mean, it's it, it is that environment was incredible. So uh, those are the ones that jump out to me, Ryan. Yep. All right. One uh, one thing we we know is maybe even you feel more passionate about than the atmospheres is the. Uh, the buffets that certain stadiums have for for media members we've seen your posts on twitter uh breaking those down what do you have a favorite <laughs> stadium someone that puts out the best spread or what's uh what are you looking for on the menu so um i appreciate you bringing that up i am the world's foremost expert on uh press box food buffets <laughs> um you can check out my social media again at ross tucker nfl for that um, I love it. Um, I take it irrationally seriously. It just means more for me <laughs> when it comes to the press box food. It's really funny. There is a wide variance in college football. The NFL, it's all pretty decent. College football, there's some place where it's like a three day, ho- like ham and salami hoagie that's like wet and gross. <laughs> and then you'll have, I gotta tell you, and you guys are going to think I'm biased about this. I'm really not. Um, Penn State's incredible. Penn, Penn State is it, th- their food was incredible. They had so many options, cookies as big as my head, and then they had all from the Penn State Creamery. They had all these little cups of different ice creams, like peachy paterno and whatever. <laughs> I am not kidding, you guys. Not 2019, but 2018. I did the Penn State Wisconsin game. I grabbed 10 of those ice creamer thingers. I, it was cold out, so I just put them right there on the on the windowsill in the press box. Every time we went to TV timeout, I crushed another one of them through <laughs> right. the trash can. The whole game, the whole every TV timeout, I had another like little ice cream cup of a different flavor. It was it was incredible. Uh so Penn State's pretty unbelievable. I'm trying to think what other colleges SEC championship game's pretty good, um, although they only serve Dr. Pepper. You cannot uh, – uh. you can't even find water or any other thing to drink. Like, they turn the water machine into a Dr. Pepper machine. Yeah, now that's water down there in the south. It is unbelievable. <laughs> like, I get it. Like, they're sponsoring it. 
can I get some water? Like, <laughs> wow. like Water's I'm, I'm in talking Dr. a Pepper. lot. I, I'm on the air right now. I, I don't, and I don't even like Dr. Pepper that much. So, uh, that's a little snippet, but, um, I can't think of other college ones though that have jumped out and been that good. Um, I think, you know what? Tulane was pretty good. They let us eat like in their like dining hall. That was actually pretty legit. Nice. All right. So we know you're, you're now involved with the website called myfrontpagestory.com, uh, which could probably come in handy for, for some of our listeners here in the coming weeks. Uh, so you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. I can take no credit at all for the idea. It's actually a buddy of mine who actually covers Penn State football for one of the local newspapers. And he has just seen how across the country newspapers are kind of dying. So the base premise of the idea is essentially stories for hire. And I think we thought it would be like small businesses or whatever. Not a single one. Not, not a single one. What it's turned out, turned into is the best like Valentine's Day gift or Mother's Day gift ever. Because you literally talk to one of these writers for like 10, 15 minutes, like while you're driving to Chick-fil-A or while you're <laughs> sitting there watching TV, you tell them how great in this instance your mom is. And maybe like in your guy's case, Michael, Trey, Ryan, you guys would all get interviewed by the guy for 10 minutes by the writer. Then he writes the most unbelievable story about your mom. They put it on this like huge 16 by 24 piece of, of uh, paper that looks like it's the cover of the newspaper. You get that framed. And, and in this case, now with social distancing, I guess sent to your mom. I gave my mom one last year and it is, I'm telling you, it is the coolest gift they will ever receive. So first of all, being able to say to your mom or your wife, maybe like, Hey, I, I want to do something really special for you this year. So I had a story written about you. Like who says that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that, like even if the gift stinks, which it doesn't, <laughs> it sounds like the coolest gift ever, right? Like I had a story written about you. Like what? You had, wait. You had a story written about me? Yes, because you're that special. <laughs> I did. So that's unbelievable, number one, right? Then number two, I don't know what it is because we all tell our moms we love them. We all tell our moms how much we appreciate them. But when my mom like read the quote from my sister that said in, in a newspaper, you know, on the cover of the newspaper frame, and it said, I wouldn't be the woman I am today. Without my mom, there's no doubt in my mind. Dude, my mom waterworks, dudes. <laughs> she, she just started bawling right away. There's something about like – like when you read it in a story, it like seems more real. And when you see your daughter quoted in a story that she said this to somebody else, like an, another human being she gave this quote to and you read it, I'm telling you like – the, 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 the happy tears cry rate for this business is like 95% right now. <laughs> it is unbelievable. So, and by the way, I got you guys, I knew you're going to mention it, Michael. So got you guys a special discount. Bros 20, you can get 20% off. So you guys and any of your listeners 
can get 20% off if you use the code BROS20 for any story at myfrontpagestory.com, whether it's Mother's Day or even just like with social distancing, like we, we got one recently for my wife's grandmother who's in a, a senior community. You're not even allowed to go visit them. Like not, yeah. we wouldn't anyway, but they're not even letting anybody in. Yeah. And so we felt bad and we want to do something special for her. So um, we actually sent her one of these. She cried. All I'm saying is you can get one of these for 50 bucks. It's she will cry. You will win. Myfrontpagestory.com. And make sure you use the code BROS20 so you get even 20% off of that. And I know that you came from this awesome podcast. All right. That sounds great, Ross. Thanks thanks for sharing that. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. This was, this was awesome. My pleasure, Mike. I'm going to talk to you after this. I may need you to record some things for when I can go to sleep at night. Ross, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ross you are getting very sleepy. Um, Don't boost his ego more, Ross. Yeah, Nebraska, Nebraska better win double-digit games this year. But at any rate, <laughs> Ross, you're still getting very sleepy, etc. So thanks for having me. You guys have a great show. I'm so glad to have you guys part of the uh, Ross Tucker podcast network um i know you have a great audience already trying to send even more people over there highly encourage people by the way if they're into the to the nfl draft to listen to the college draft podcast i do the ross tucker football podcast pretty much every day if you're into betting we've got the even money podcast if you are into fantasy we've got the fantasy feast podcast as well a lot of good bets by the way for the nfl draft on like over-unders on like where certain guys get drafted. So like um, if you want to come in and chime in on those guys, we're going to be talking about that really on all the shows over the next couple of weeks. RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts are found like this one that you listen. However you listen to this one, you can listen <laughs> to my stuff too. All right. Awesome. Thanks so much, Ross. Yeah, we appreciate it. See you guys. Thanks for having me. All right. So that'll just about do it for the College Football Bros podcast. Again, we really appreciate Ross coming on the show. That was great. And uh, Ryan, what I learned from that interview was that your future son might have a chance to become an NFL offensive lineman. Yeah, exactly. I mean, 5'9", 170. I mean, give me another inch and I'm 5'9", but you know. <laughs> we can round up. We can round up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can round up. Maybe my kid will be 6'3". Yeah, you know? there you go. That, that works. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a shot. Awesome. All right. So again, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.